Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Post Political Podcast. I'm the host, uh, Derek Britton, and I am uh, very excited for our guest today. Uh, we have uh, Christine Olivo uh, coming in from Florida uh, to talk to us about a bunch of different stuff. Um, but first off, we have our promos. So let's run the Vermin Supreme Institute. Our purpose is to inspire social evolution through disruption of authoritarianism, to promote compassion and activism, and to spread knowledge of redacted history. Through the use of humor, direct action, and mutual aid, we uplift the disaffected, the disenfranchised, and the disempowered. And we're happy to announce the Love in Action fundraiser benefiting homeless camps in Reno, Nevada um, has gone uh, well. They now have all of the um, the supplies and, and, and uh, clothing and stuff to distribute up in Reno. So that will be distributed, I think, uh, this upcoming weekend now. We had a lot of uh, issue with weather and um, the shipping uh, that, that kind of held us up. But now everything will be distributed, I believe, this weekend up in Reno. Um, so look for a update in the newsletter next week, and I'll probably have a quick update on the podcast as well. And next up we have uh, brewed coffee. So if you're in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, check out brewed coffee and beer drinkery. You can also check out the affiliate link that I'm going to throw in the comments, uh, to buy, you know, mug shirts, hats, uh, tote bags, masks. They have all sorts of different stuff. Uh, and that's broodco.com in Lexington, Kentucky. And lastly, we have, the Trans Resource Network of Louisiana. We are doing a uh, promo with them, so you can either donate directly with the PayPal, or you can buy one of the um, so one of the the uh, shirts and or hats that we did uh, a joint design uh, with the group down there. Uh, Be gay, do crime. Uh, it's a fun little uh, thing, but it, it actually uh, goes to bring awareness to the fact that uh, being gay is often still a a crime by the books on a lot of uh, cities in in states in America. Uh, so please, uh, you know, go on and donate or buy one of the uh, pieces of merchandise and all of the proceeds go to the Trans Resource Network of Louisiana. And that's it for the promos. Now we can introduce our wonderful guest. So uh, Christine is an activist, a community leader and a candidate running for Congress in Florida's 24th district. Uh, we're going to be talking about criminal justice reform, immigration rights, ending the wars and the volunteer work that she does uh, down in Florida. Let's bring her on. How's it going? Great. How are you? Doing well. Uh, it's been uh, a good, I'm up in the uh, Northeast. I'm in Massachusetts. So it's been a little cold here this week, but next week's looking for some good weather. And I'm hoping uh, we can go outside and do some more stuff outside with our baby and stuff. So that's awesome. Congrats on the baby. And I'm sorry, but I live in South Florida. It's always, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I, I feel so guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have I have friends uh, in Texas and California and kind of all over the place. I also have friends in like Chicago as well, so they can kind of feel the cold. And, but it's it's uh yeah, it's it's crazy. We get uh you know big swings during the seasons and stuff, but it is uh, pretty. I love it up here in the fall, so I wouldn't trade that piece for kind of the other wonderful weather that you guys get. <laughs> But uh, no, I wanted to bring you on. I'm super excited to have you. Um, I know uh, you had run in uh, 2020 and you're running again now in 2022. Um, yes. I'd love to get kind of an introduction on kind of your political journey and, and how you ended up running for office down in Florida. Well, once again, thank you for having me. Um, I started running because <laughs> what else could I do? I was done complaining. I was complaining about children in cages. I was complaining about black men being killed and 
advertise uh, like on social media. I was just so tired of complaining and then looking down at my children and saying, it's going to get better. And well, at the time I only had one son, but just saying, you know, it's going to get better and having no idea of how it's going to get better. You know, I I'm running because I feel like I have no other option at this point. Um, our leadership right now is full of drama and just bickering and no one's getting anything done, but everybody's got something to say and nothing to do. And I'm just so sick and tired of it. So I decided to run. And um, the first run was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to say it nicely. Uh, you're running, I'm, I'm running against an incumbent. So when you're running against an incumbent, you know, your, your life is miserable. Um, a lot of people just saying that I had no right to run against her. Um, you know, what was I thinking? Spending all this money, doing all of this stuff just to get, oh, I felt like I was getting nowhere, but I got to meet so many people and know that they desperately needed the help. And, and I, and I know that they'll never have anyone knock on their door again. I'm right. telling you right now, they, some of you were shocked and I would go on live. I would say, I need you guys to see, witness this. The guy's like, listen, no one comes around here. We vote them in. And that, the last time we see them was on a flyer. That's right. it. So just really getting involved in the community. And, and it really opened my eyes to um, the possibilities because here I am just a mom thinking, you know, a working class mom thinking, hey, you know, I'm going to try to run for office, not really believing that it was possible. And it is, it's possible. And the people made it happen. People were donating. Okay, fine. I didn't raise as much money as the incumbent, but I had almost 700 donors. That's she wonderful. had maybe 20. Right. It, th that spoke volumes to me. I prefer to have that many people rooting for me right. than to have, you know, a million dollars. Oh, exactly. And it's it's such an uphill battle, you know, not only facing incumbents, but incumbents that are well funded by folks that they're most likely going to owe uh, when, you know, they get in the office. Oh, yeah. and, and at the end of the day, it's, you know, it, it, be, it creates this big, massive barrier to getting into, uh, you know, a political system that's built upon representation that has stopped representing most of the folks that I know, at least. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it just has represented. I mean, if you look at uh, just in general, I saw a uh, kind of average uh, income, yearly income of, of someone in Congress, and it's over a million dollars. And now that's not every single person in Congress, but that's you know, that's got to be more than 50% of it. If, if that's Listen, the, average. Uh, the my opponent is a millionaire. Did she start out as a millionaire 10 years ago? No, right. she didn't. She's made her millions while she's been in Congress. So you don't represent me. I'm just going to be real because my bank account does not look like that. If you can help create other millionaires, then we can all represent each other, but you're not right. doing that. You're banking off of keeping us in poverty. Right. That's how you get all the great grants and all the, the you know, the affordable housing and contracts and all this stuff. We don't see any of that. Right. You get more when we're sort of struggling, when we, when we don't have health insurance, when we 
don't own homes, when we don't have an education, that's when you get all the big bucks. Right. Yeah. And we've seen this, you know, massive uh, kind of shift of, of wealth, you know, up, up the ladder closest to the folks that are already uh, wealthy as well. And, and yes. you know, things we've seen a ton of uh, legislation going to place that actually sets barriers, you know, a ton of barriers for folks um, in, you know, all over the place in, in poorer communities that are trying to do uh, everything they can to have a family and, and feed their family and house their family okay. and take it. And it's just, it's become this entire system that's been built to uh, slow that progress uh, uh, so that the folks at the top can kind of continue to prosper. And it's, it's um, you know, I, there's, there's a ton of um, different places to fight those battles. And I, I completely commend you on, on running for office, you know, putting yourself in the public spotlight you do get a lot of uh, negative uh, uh, feedback from folks. And, um, you know, I've helped on a lot of president uh, 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 campaigns, political campaigns, but uh, I myself don't know if I could ever run because of that. I mean, it's, it's something that's a, a big sacrifice that people don't understand. And not only are you putting yourself out there, but you're putting these incredible, you know, ideas that you, you are passionate about out there that help, yeah you know, uh, educate different people who might not have uh, known about kind of these different ideas and stuff. So, um, no, that's, I think it's, it, it's incredible. And I think there's winning, you know, I know the, the last, uh, election, you said it was, it was a little rough and I still think there's winning and, you know, lose You might lose the race, uh, as, as the votes yeah. count, but there's so much to be won there, um, to, to change the hearts and minds of the people that are in the community that will be voting again, that will be, you know, working on mutual aid projects or something like that again as well. Yes. So one of the things I wanted to uh, kind of dive into is, is some of the areas that we agree on, you know, very uh, closely. We have different political backgrounds, but I think we agree tremendously. Everything I've read and seen, you know, I follow you on, on social media and stuff, and I see a lot of what your campaign uh, pr promotes and stuff. And, you know, criminal justice reform, immigration reform, and, and ending the yes. wars, I think we agree uh, tremendously on. Uh, and can you go a little bit into, you know, uh, not into super detail, but just kind of your general thoughts, I guess, on when you start criminal justice reform? I, I think it's a very, um, it, it's been pushed in the spotlight, you know, in, in the last 20 plus years, I think. And we keep hearing there's going to be stuff done and, and things don't get done. Um there's, you know, recent legislation that's been uh, looking like it's going to pass through uh, that could potentially help us get there. But there also seems to be a lot of little stuff written in there that that's not going to change and, and not going to be these massive reforms to the system that we really need. So my um, my passion about criminal justice reform stems from having family and friends that have gone through the process and knowing how much I love them and how much it pains me to think that they were exploited for you know to to make make goods for for companies and then get paid 13 cents an hour right. or um to know that they had to go to solitary confinement or to know that they um were were arrested for a drug charge and treated as if they had they had committed murder, you know? So it, I, I look at people as, as, hu as people, right, right? right? 
But right now, I feel like our criminal justice system looks at people almost as objects or um, as animals, which I'm not saying that animals should be treated a certain way because I have animals, but <laughs> you get oh, what I'm saying. They yeah. don't look at them like this is a person that needs help that maybe came from a system that was broken into a system that is broken. So we need to help restore the human being, the person inside. And I believe that we need better education in our prison system. I also believe that we need a better living uh, arrangement, a better lifestyle. Right. It's not that they need to be caged up. It's that they should be able to, um, sort of do their own thing, but just now they're, they're not in society, but they're learning how to be a part of society without having to steal or having to hurt somebody or, you know, or, or do drugs, which I I just don't even understand why, um, why doing drugs, something that you're doing to yourself is going to get you locked up. Um, that should get you in rehab. Right. So these are the things that, that frustrate me, uh, pregnant women, giving birth by themselves, locked up, like chained to a bed. I just can't, I just can't fathom these things. And I don't understand where our humanity is. It almost makes me feel like, you know, we, the United States thinks, oh, we're the greatest. We're the best. You don't treat your people as if we're the greatest or we're the best, Right. you know? So, um, it's it's disheartening to know that our criminal justice system is the way it is. I used to be a youth director yep. and a lot of my students don't have fathers. They do have fathers, excuse me. Their fathers are not there. Some of their fathers were incarcerated and it's so hard. And I try not to get emotional. It's so hard to explain to a child that your father can miss seven or eight years of your life because of something that that they could have easily been um that, something that could have been redeemed for at home right? right they could have they could have redeemed themselves maybe on house arrest or they could have redeemed themselves in a in a work program or right. a, a community service program something that someone with a different background nationality color would not even go through Right. Oh yeah, hundred so, percent. You know, we have to completely. I I feel like there's all the systems that were set up are so broken that it needs to just be dismantled and then we we rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, there's there's a lot of horrible history in the the criminal justice system. Um, you know, built upon you know slavery, uh, yes. the Thirteenth Amendment to continue basically continue slavery as long as people are incarcerated, setting yes. up laws to incarcerate folks. I mean, it's it is just really, really uh, troubling when you look at the history of the criminal justice system and where we are today and how you know we we might have made some changes in in progress there, but it is nowhere near enough. I mean, it is we're still locking up people for harmless plants. We're still locking up people for things that they're doing that are not hurting anyone else. You know, um, there, and you look at the fine system, even the fine system mm-hmm. is, is really, uh, oh. just an extra tax for poor people. I mean, you, you know, yeah. as someone, someone that has a hundred dollar fine, if you're rich, that doesn't matter. If yeah. you do not make a million dollars a year, that matter. That could be you not getting enough food for for that week, or that could mean you not being able to pay your rent. I mean, that's a significant uh, sum of money, 
and folks just say, oh, we should find people because, um, you know, we need to, to punish them somehow. Well, paying a fine, as you can find statistics all over the place, has never turned into folks uh, um, changing that, that um, behavior. And, you know, you look at the same thing with prison systems. You were just talking about, you know, alternative uh, ways to, to help um, kind of reform or, or change the, the, uh, um, the, the behavior of someone to, uh, you know, reintroduce back into society or whatever. Yes. Those programs typically have a much uh, lower recidivism rate. You know, it's, a, it's, yes. people are not going back in a jail. They're not, going back. They're not going back in. You're not going to see me locked up again. Why? Because, yes. okay. It's the same thing. I know this is like a crazy comparison, but losing weight, right? <laughs> if you put someone on a three-day diet, chances are they're going to go back to gaining the weight again, right. right? If you put somebody on a lifestyle change, you completely change the way they eat, um, you know, change their workout routine, sort of make it a, 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 just a new way of living, they will then keep the weight off. Right. for you know for a really long time maybe they'll have some setbacks but it's it'll be nothing like before because why they've completely changed their lifestyle that shows more results than the oh let's just lock them up and just you know right. let's change their lifestyle i know someone i know a family that's suffering right now because a first time offender but a first time offender doing a white collar crime like a money thing yep it, it didn't matter that he was a first time offender. He's taken away from his family forever. And you don't ask why did he feel like he needed to do that? You know, what was their family going through? Can right. he be, can, can, are there any programs to help someone like that? And so it breaks my heart because I just don't think that locking people up is the option for everything. Yes. There are some people that, that probably do need it. We have serial killers out there. It's a thing. Yep. <laughs> um, I mean, yep. there, there are people that are purely evil deep down inside. And and yes, they, they do need to get locked up. I can't deny that. But you mean to tell me everyone? Right. And you, if, especially when you start looking at some of the... the um, things that can get people thrown in jail for extremely oh. long. I mean, you know, there we're seeing um, massive uh, marijuana reform, you know, in, in different states, but we're not seeing it uh, federally. So a lot of folks are still in prison for that. And oh, the yeah. United States has, you know, the, the highest prison population by far. We, we have 25% uh, of the world's prisoners are United in the United States prisons. That's, that's there was important. a mother that um, put her child in a school that was not in their jurisdiction, like not in their zip code area or whatever. Yep. And she used someone else's address. She got like a year or something in jail. You like, like really you took a mother away from their child because they want a better education right. for their child. So now wanting a better education will get you locked up. These are things that I don't understand. Right. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of the system, you know, the rest of the system that's kind of built around is, is forcing folks into, uh, um, some bad situation, you know, even, even, you know, there's, there's a, a big push, um, for changing, um, what is it? Uh, licensing laws. So, you know, to get into, uh, being a, let's say an, there's i I've seen a law. I don't know if it's in Florida, but it might be uh, a couple of folks in Florida were talking about it. 
and it's basically it's for um doing uh what do you call it? interior design and mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a two-year apprentice program it's a few thousand dollars and it's a certain uh um basically piece of paper that you need in order to do this now the same thing is is uh the same kind of bar is set as well for cutting hair there's there's bars yes. set for uh doing all sorts of jobs that folks would do maybe you're super passionate about and would do it but they can't do it without paying two thousand dollars for a license and i'm an esthetician i know i went to cosmetology school um i had to i could not practice anything without my licenses and then on top of that there are additional services that I have to get additional licensing for right. in order for me to do that as well. So like, for example, I do um, microblading, I do eyebrows, right? Yep. I have to get a tattoo license, but then I have to take the tattoo course. And it ends up being so much more, a lot more money than I anticipated. Right. And your time too. I mean, it, and you know, time. I'm like, yes. got, like so some they're... people are just so gifted and so talented. They, they wouldn't need to go to school as long, but they, they have no choice, right? Exactly. Right. And if it's a passion and it's something that you would love to do, but you don't have that, you know, money or time, you know, to, to yeah. put into getting there and you go and do that, you can be put in jail for, I mean, wow. or find an absurd amount of money that you can never overcome. You know what I mean? There's yeah. just, there's these systems that are just built into place that could really, really uh, help folks do what they're passionate for. And I'm not saying, you know, uh, uh, brain surgery that you should be able to walk in tomorrow and do no. brain surgery. But at the end of the day, that I don't think that would happen because the the place of business would have certain things that they would, you know, put you through to do, you know, whatever you need to. Exactly. And I, I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of these things that kind of str- put a stranglehold on this system and, and force folks into, um, you know, selling. I, I had... Uh, plenty of friends when I was growing up that sold drugs because it was money. They were able to make money and support what they needed to, to do so. And it's, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's such a complex thing that we, you know, um, we lose a lot of the, the, the smaller issues that are actually really large issues that kind of force us into these uh, kind of paths. So. Yeah. And then the the frustrating thing is that we make it, illegal we lock people up but then when it comes time to legalize it the people that are able to open up the um dispensaries are those that don't look like the ones that we're getting locked up 100%. i'm not trying to make this uh, a race thing but the the first thing that i would say is you know what let's reach out to those that were doing it and let's just invest and teach them how to do it the right way now because yes. all these opportunities are opening up. But no, the courses, the licensing, I mean, just like you were saying, it's so expensive to even get get any of that stuff. You, you're going to need a specific kind of credit to right. even uh, uh, be approved. And let's just be real. Those that have that kind of credit don't look like those that were getting locked up for it. Yeah. So um, it, it's just it, it's just unfair. Um, we, we need to rebuild this system 100%. I completely agree. And I, you know, I, it's, it's um, interesting you say this. So I, I've uh, looked into a few different places that are doing um, kind of the marijuana reform and stuff. And uh, I believe Oakland had a really great program where folks, they, they um, commuted all the sentences uh, for folks that were locked up for, uh, for marijuana possession or even sale. 
And then they offered the first licenses to the folks that were incarcerated for them. What? Yeah. That's what we should have done in Florida. Well, Florida's still not like almost legal, but. Yeah. And it's, it, you see a different state to state. Um, there's, you know, different rules set for wow. each state and, you know, Massachusetts is exactly what you were saying before. It's not that way. It's uh, there's, I think two companies own most of, you know, it's like 80% of the stores and the grow facilities and all that. It's big corporations doing the same thing. Wow. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's just, it's uh, like we were saying a lot of big systems that have been built up over time that, really need to be torn down and uh, kind of rebuilt in, in different ways. And I think uh, community focus is something that we could definitely uh, use more, you know, kind of throughout the, uh, the country. So yeah. um, we talked a lot about that. I, I'd love to, I want to make sure we hit some of the other stuff too. Uh, Cause I like a lot of uh, what you say about, um, you know, immigration rights and ending the wars. I, mm -hmm. you know, we had talked a little bit in the pre-meeting um, I was, uh, anti-war, uh, Democrat, you know, that was, mm -hmm. uh, what I, and I voted for, uh, Obama's first presidency and then he didn't do anything anti-war that, you know, that I was expecting. So that's what actually got me to leave that two party system. But, um, I want to hear kind of your thoughts on, you know, how, I guess, how do we end the wars in a, in a, a positive way so that, you know, um, because a ton of folks say, oh, you're just going to create a vacuum and all this stuff. And uh, I don't believe that either, but I just want to kind of hear your take on. Um, so how do we get to um, I, I, I use this quote, right? Um, my my grandmother used to always say, never go into someone's house to clean it when your house is a mess. Right. So here we are, the United States of America. We go into everyone's country like we know like our ish doesn't stink right, right. we're just gonna go and we're gonna make things right and clean things up and bomb everybody as if we are so perfect why don't we focus on what's going on at home we yeah. have war in the streets there are people dying every day we have a pandemic right now we do not need to be bombing syria we don't need to be bombing anybody and don't tell me it's about retaliating, okay? Right. We don't have, adults don't need to retaliate. Adults can sit down and have a conversation or you can get your butt out of a country that you don't belong in. Yeah. You know what I think we need to do? Leave. We don't need to, there's nothing else to do. Yeah. There's nothing else to do. You. No one's gonna create a vacuum. These countries can function without us. Yeah. Do we do we let everybody into our country to set up camp and their military here? And do, do we do that? Show me one state that has someone else's military living and setting up camp there. Right. None. Not one. Right. Why do we feel like we can go in and just tell everybody what to do? And we have people suffering right here. Focus here. We spend trillions of dollars on <laughs> on bombing and trying to control let's just be real we're trying to control other countries and yet we want wonder where can we get the money for healthcare? Right. um why don't we get it from the money that we're using to murder other people and a lot of civilians i mean that's that's the thing that yes a lot of folks don't realize is there is some percentage of almost every single drone strike or or bombing or insurgent that we do that that does impact civilian populations if that were to happen 
anywhere along our shores in the United States, it would be it would be another world war. You know what I mean? It, it would, would. Be such, such a huge retaliation. Yes. There, there. You know, folks are like, oh well, you know, they Amer people hate America uh, because of all the freedom or whatever. No, they hate because us because we're blowing up other people. We are hurting yes. families. We are hurt. There are folks that. I have uh, friends that have uh, Syrian relatives. Their children don't want to go back to visit their family because they're so scared of what's going on in Syria. Yeah. And, and that's the United States doing it. Like, it, it just, it blows my mind. It, it saddens me to no end. And I, I, I've just, I've never understood the, uh, the, we will make it better with bombs mentality. Yeah. You know, um, Dr. King said that, He's never seen hate cancel out love. Only love can do that, right? So instead of bringing retaliation, which I, I think it's instigation, yeah. um, instead, of, instead of doing that, why don't we try to really either talk to these world leaders or leave? Like, I, I just don't understand what what the big deal is why can't you just say you know what it's not our business it's not our business get out they they're not posing a threat to us in our land they're posing a threat to us in their land get out yeah. it's that simple <laughs> it so is. i i feel that um the united states you know our, our commanders in chief all of them have been irresponsible when it comes to lives, human lives, yes. you they have put our troops at risk and they have taken the lives of uh, other countries, these fathers, brothers, um, you know, women and children that right. are being killed every day. At, and and we're paying for that with our tax dollars. I think it's irresponsible. It's shameful. And because of that, after the bombing in Syria, I have officially, I'm done with the Biden administration. I gave them a chance and I'm done. Yeah. And I, I have a, a lot of friends. Um, like I said, I came from kind of the Democratic Party and I still have a lot of friends who are, are um, you know, we're, we're pushing for a lot of folks to vote for Biden and stuff. And they're, they felt the same way. That was kind of their, they were giving him a chance to see where, uh, what kind of progressive line he would tow or anything like that. And it, it still uh, uh, didn't happen. Now there's, you know, bits and pieces that could help with reforms here and there. But as far as war is uh, concerned, you know, concerned, uh, uh, the administration and a lot of the cabinet picks are super pro war hawk uh, yes. type folks. And it's, it's just, it's very hard to see. Uh, I don't understand. Like, do they think that this is like a game, like a video game? This is not a game. These are actual lives that are right. being taken. And I feel like I, it, it's a disconnect. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're so yeah. connected from an individual's life. You know, they, they kind of live on a different level than the rest of us that it, it's not seen as that. And it's seen, like you said, it's like a war game, you know, it's not, yeah. um, you know, they're, they're not considering the fact that, that these bombs do hurt people all over the place. So, yeah, no, it's, it's heavy. And I, I wish, you know, I, I, I wish there was a more, 
a stronger, you know, voice coming back. You see bits and pieces of folks uh, uh, saying they're anti-war and maybe one tweet here or there, but there's no real fight to to give Congress back uh, control no of, leadership. of war and stuff. Yeah, exactly. We do not have a leader, not in Congress, not out of Congress. The thing is, there's so many voices out there with so many ideas, but there is not one person that has been able to rally everyone behind them. We don't have the Dr. Kings and the Malcolm X's and just we just don't have that. Um, I, I was telling my mom the other day, I'm a modern day hippie, you know, like I, we're hippies. Yeah, they they, they called hippies tree huggers and they, they gave hippies such a bad name that we sort of moved over and moved on, right? Right. But who's gonna lead the next hippie movement? Who's going to be out there in the lawn saying, you know, peace, love, no war? Who's gonna do it? <laughs> I mean, I, I do not see anyone rising up to be the leader that we need today. The leader that is strong enough to command attention and to to demand that we're hurt. I, I just, I don't see it. Yeah, and I think there's been a very, uh, in a bad way, but very successful campaigns to tear down a lot of these leaders that we've seen come up in their community. And I mean, you look at uh, leaders of past and almost every single major civil rights leader was killed by the federal government. I mean, it's... Yes. They, they don't want to see these leaders, you know, rise up and, and, and drive people to uh, peaceful and, and, and you know... Um, and keeping people out of prisons and things like that. They, they don't want to yeah. see that because it nope. does shake up what, you know, their goal is at the end of the day. And it's, it's so hard to see. <sighs> yeah. So I want, I do want to uh, bring us up a little bit and, and talk. Please. You know, yeah, <laughs> let's talk. So I, I, um, I think one of the biggest ways that we can impact uh, the world is, is through our communities. I think, uh, community action mutual aid is something that uh, we can and we have to rely on in some instances. I mean, we saw in Texas, uh, even AOC was tweeting about mutual aid uh, uh, networks reaching out in Texas and doing the work because they were able to. Um, I'd love to hear about some of the, you know, I know you're you're part of the True Gospel Center, uh, the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, Real Justice. You know, you can talk about one or all or, or whatever. I, I just would love to hear about some of the work that you do in your community because I think that's huge for a political leader to, to have. So um, with the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, all I do really is whenever we have an event, we try to register returning citizens, which is what we call, um, you know, ex-cons. Um, returning citizens, we register them to vote, right? Because now they can. So that's important. Um, we don't do many drives. It's normally as it gets closer to election time. So last election, there was a lot. So now it's kind of slowed down. We actually have a meeting right now that I'm missing, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's about the, um, they're meeting tonight because of the anti-protest bill that's been presented in Florida. So everyone's rallying together. So that's the goal right now. We need to stop that bill because there yep. we go. Another reason to lock us up. Right. Yep. So um, that's one thing. And then I am I, I volunteer at a food drive twice a week. We feed over 800 families. It's really beautiful when we see families that are they come every week and they're just so grateful. But it's also sad because it's like, man, they're hungry. They need the food. 
Right. And they line up from like six o'clock in the morning. We don't start distributing till 10. Yep. But they will get there to make sure that they do not miss out on a box. It's beautiful. It has led me to now open up a community fridge. That's great. Which I just found a location for. I'm very excited about this project. Now I'm looking for a an artist to paint the fridge and still raising money to buy the fridge. So <laughs> it's um that will that's gonna be very exciting. Hopefully I'll have that together within the next month or so. And that way when people in the community do can like when there's not a line, they can also go to the fridge and right. there's something there for them. So you know, I'm excited about that. And then um, what else do I do? Lately, I've been helping a lot of um, Haitian Americans or yep. Haitians. Uh, some of them are not uh, citizens. Help Helping them with their unemployment. It is very difficult to understand the process. And so um, I've been helping people that just don't know they didn't know they had to pay taxes on their unemployment. I mean, it's been a nightmare. They're so confused and the language barrier is really difficult. So um, I just help, I help them, uh, of course, for free, but I just, I, I, they'll, they call me, they're like, listen, Christine, I don't know, you know, how to go into the system and I just walk them through it. So yeah. that's what I've been doing lately. Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, and even, you know, without a language barrier, those systems aren't easy to navigate. So, I mean, it's, it is wonderful yeah. uh, that you're there to help. And, and, and like you said, you know, the community fridges and being able to do uh, some food distribution and, and supplies and clothing and stuff is, is so huge. I mean, uh, the, you know, at the end of the day, I would be super happy if we didn't have to do that. You know, if we, if yes. these folks uh, were able to, um, do you know all this stuff on their own but at the end of the day people need help and we need to be there in our communities helping those folks who do fall on hard i mean not everyone is going to have a lucky day every single day of the year you know what i mean you could um lose your job or or have uh, some issue that pops up unforeseen or you know go to jail with the, the broken criminal justice system we just spoke about and exactly. being able to have a community that's that built to, to help them out is incredible and uh, super happy about the uh, community fridge as well. I'm actually um, talking with uh, the group in the city closest to me, Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, they're just getting their their uh, free fridge uh, set up uh, right now. So awesome! Uh, yeah, no, it's it's. I think those are incredible. Uh, the Vermin Supreme Institute, who I spoke about before, uh, and I'm affiliated mm -hmm. with their you know their uh, group that I uh, work on. I'm on the board there as well. Um, they're starting a program to um, basically have like a free fridge kit so that they can oh. sit around to show people how to start them up and, and kind of all the, the resources they need and all that. So can you like slip me their info? And <laughs> Absolutely. I will Please. definitely send that over. And, and you know, it's, it's a new uh, a piece we're starting up. We'd love to, to partner with as many folks as we can to do so. So um, yeah, that, that's great. And, and um, later, I think probably early May, um, I have a group coming in from the group. It's called Frege. So it's F-R-E-E-D-G-E. -E -E. Oh, uh, I love it. Yeah, they're a free fridge group that started out of California. And now they're international. They have stuff in France and Switzerland all over the place now. So really, really cool stuff. And, you know, it's it's you don't typically see a lot of folks who are running for office also doing the mutual aid and, and the stuff in their communities. And I just... 
I feel like that should be a prerequisite. I feel like that should be a yeah. baseline for uh, folks that we want to see getting into their, you know, into offices, folks that understand their communities are working with their communities. And I, I love that you are uh, doing that and running for office as well to represent those folks. So. Thank you. Oh, wow. We've, we've gone through a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I just, I was just going to say like, I I've learned uh, a lot more about you as well. And a lot of different, like I said, you know, uh, we come from a little bit of different political backgrounds, but I found a ton of things that we completely agree on that I would love to work with. You know, I'm hopefully after this, we're going to talk about the, uh, the community fridge stuff and, and we can work together on something like that. And I just folks, yes. hope folks take more of that and, and try to run with that as well in their uh, communities or whatever. So everyone always asks me, like, why are you running against um, Frederica? She has this, she has this, um, after school program called the 5,000 role models and a lot of boys it's for, you know, troubled youth and it's for boys only. And they, a lot of boys have gone through that and then they grow up to be, you know, very accomplished young gentlemen. And, and I, I say, well, you know, that's, that's great. That's wonderful. I don't want to discredit that, but there's so much work that needs to be done. And there's other things that are not getting done and things that are falling through the cracks. We can't just base it off of one thing. Um, I think that it's time for fresh new energy. And just because someone has been doing the same thing over and over and over again, my question to you is how has your life changed, life changed because right. of your representative? Is your life the same as it was 10 years ago? Then you need the change. Right. You need to change. It doesn't discredit what they do um, with their their nonprofit that yeah. they profit from that is helping the community. But it doesn't mean that it stops there. You can want more and that's OK. Yeah. And, and you know, better like we were talking about before, better representation, folks that are in their community doing that work day in and day out, you know, to represent their community is something we, we need much more of. And, and yes. we we. Uh, don't want to see the folks that are uh, kind of loosely linked through uh, a group that they started that, you know, and I, I like you said, it don't doesn't discredit the good that's being done there for sure. But at the end of the day, the closer the tie to that community, the better the representation is going to be. So um, exactly. no, this is wonderful. I, if you have, I want to give you kind of a last uh, time to, to kind of say anything that you wanted to bring up uh, you might not have been able to get to or your website or um, any sort of links. We can put them in the comments as well afterwards and uh, make sure that people can, can uh, uh, see them and, and go to your site and donate and volunteer and stuff too. So my website is www.christine for congress.org um, Twitter, Christine F O R two four um, Instagram, Christine for Congress for spelled out F O R TikTok, Christine, the number four Congress and Facebook is Christine F O R Congress. So um, that's where you can find me last words. I always try to say this when I, when I'm sort of signing out, if you have the desire to make a change in your community, I need you to run for office. I need you to know that you are qualified. I'm telling you right now, you can do it. With a, You can find the support system, find the network. They are out there. They are waiting for people like you to run. So don't be afraid. Please put your name on a ballot. School board, commissioner, mayor, do it. Please. The world needs you. <laughs> 
Thank you. Oh, that's that's wonderful and and perfect, and I I couldn't agree more. Um, I thank you so much for coming on. I I really appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing so much with us and being able to uh, talk about uh, not only the campaign but you know other stuff that you're doing as well in the community and your feelings based on that. I had a great time. Thank you. Me too. I'll, I I look forward to hopefully coming back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, your race uh, being in, in 2022, we have a lot of time to uh, yes. come back on and talk uh, some more. And I I definitely would love, to, uh, you know, an update on the community fridge and all that. I think that would be great. Awesome. Well, you have a Thank great you. night. It was great talking with you. You too. Good night. Bye. So that was uh, Christine Olivo and uh, down in Florida, uh, the 24th district running for uh, the House Representatives. Um, if you are down there, you know, give her a look, go on her website. We're going to be posting all of the comments, uh, uh, all of her links in the comments so that you can see them. Um, and please check it out. I think this is, you know, um, I, I think we need more folks that are involved again, involved in their community that, uh, want to see, um, kind of a, a massive shift in the way that we do things and, and the way that we're trying to treat people and represent people. And we need more leaders to speak out and, and do the right thing. So, um, I hope everyone learned uh, a little bit and, and enjoyed uh, this week's uh, pod, uh, post-political podcast. I want to let you know about uh, the next two. Uh, so next week we have uh, a week where we're doing two. So on Tuesday, we have uh, Kathy Reasonwitz. Uh, she is, her writings appeared on uh, in TechCrunch, Vice, uh, Reason, The Daily Beast. And we're going to be talking about Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act and uh, the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, the FOSTA and how to kind of best decriminalize uh, sex work. So it'll be a, a really interesting topic. Um, Kathy has, has written tons of articles about this and has, is, is a true expert in this area. So it'll be wonderful to talk to her. And then Thursday, we'll be talking with uh, Nancy Rivera. Uh, she runs the Bridge Kids Give Back group. Uh, it's a, a nonprofit that is dedicated to feeding, clothing, and uplifting uh, one homeless, unhoused uh, community at a time. Uh, they do a ton of work in Massachusetts, and uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about that and also uh, do some fundraising, hopefully, uh, for her uh, nonprofit to try and help her out. I, I know for a fact she uh, cooks meals herself, brings them out to folks, uh, collects uh, comforters when it's cold up here, uh, and gives them to uh, folks in, in all different areas in Massachusetts. So she does a lot of great work, and I'm really looking forward to talking with her as well. Um, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I hope to see you back uh, next week. Have a great night. And thanks everyone.